Welcome to the College Scoops Podcast. I'm your host, Moira McCullough, and today we are talking with Lisa Spangler on how to find the best fit boarding school. What kids need is to be seen and to be heard, to be cared for. And, you know, if you listen to them, you can really help them figure out who they are, what they're doing, what they're looking for in the world. And This is the College Scoops Podcast, and I'm your host, Moira McCullough. We focus on everything college-related, from the admissions process to where to eat, stay, and explore on and around campuses. Our guests include founders, educators, authors, and experts in the college space. Join us as these experts share their knowledge, experiences, and lessons learned to help you have stress-free, informative, and tasty college journeys. Whether it's your first or last child going to college, or you're just interested in going to a college town for a game or meal, we've got you covered. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the College Scoops podcast to get the inside scoops on everything college-related, and leave us a review. Thanks to all of our sponsors, partners, and the entire College Scoops ambassador team for helping us bring valuable content to our community. If you would like to support College Scoops as a sponsor, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash college scoops and sign up as a sustaining listener, insider, or deluxe sponsor. We have exclusive benefits for our members and even a College Scoops care package. With over 30 years of experience in schools, from the admissions office to secondary school placement counseling in the classroom, Lisa brings an extraordinary amount of expertise and experience to her work as an educational consultant. Lisa's career began in a high school classroom in a public school in Illinois. Since then, she has worked primarily in independent schools in the West, briefly in Idaho, and then in California for over 20 years. Presidio High School, a K-8 co-ed school, brought Lisa to San Francisco from Ketchum, Idaho. There, she taught 7th and 8th grade humanities and helped establish their high school counseling program. Lisa spent her last 10 years in San Francisco at Catherine Del Mar Burke School, a K-8 girls' school. While she wore many hats at Burke's, her work centered on high school placement counseling. It was a deeply rewarding experience guiding the girls and their families through the high school admissions process, supporting them in finding right fit day schools as well as boarding throughs throughout North America. Most recently, Lisa served as director of admission at Kate School in California. During her time at Kate, Lisa enjoyed working with amazing students from around the U.S. and the world and loved being a dorm parent. In her educational consulting practice, Lisa supports students looking for high school or middle school, including boarding schools throughout the U.S. or day schools in select regions. Welcome to the College Scoops podcast, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here today. You and I had one conversation that I think it could have lasted hours, and then we could have gone for lunch. I love connecting with people and having great conversations about so many different things. So Lisa, you work with students. You've worked in education for 30 years, and you've been in public and private high schools, and now you started your own business helping students and families find the best boarding schools. And I put best in quotes, like the best fit, like what works best for them. And we talked a lot about, because that's what College Scoops is all about, trying to find a college that is the right home. And you used a term that I am now using about finding a neighborhood and being a good neighbor. And I love that. Why do you continue to work with kids? It's hard. (laughs) It is hard, but it's, 
I mean, what can I say? It's so rewarding. It's so fulfilling. And yeah, I've spent my entire career in education, either in the classroom or doing administrative work. And it was really only at my last school where I didn't teach at least one class. And so I've always been in the classroom with the exception of this last school job. Kids are complicated but they're also really, really simple. What kids need is to be seen and to be heard, to be cared for. And, you know, if you listen to them, you can really help them figure out who they are, what they're doing, what they're looking for in the world. And the reason why I focus on my primary clientele are kids who are moving from eighth grade to ninth grade or making the transition within high school. I also do work with kids who are looking for middle school, but it seems to be a smaller number of kids. I find that that search can be one of the most profound things they do in their entire life. It's at an age of a lot of questioning, a lot of discovery, a lot of soul searching. And what they're doing as they look for schools is having to ask and understand deeper questions about themselves than they would if they were just transitioning to the high school down the road. And so it offers a really profound learning experience for them, also for their parents. And to have someone like me sort of in the middle allows that to happen. They're also at a time when they're pushing back against their parents or they're beginning to push back against their parents establishing their independence. And so I can ask the same question that a parent would ask and the kid will respond to me and we'll have a conversation, whereas they would have normally pushed their parents away. I'm like, I don't know, I don't want to talk about that. You know, it's gratifying to be able to support and help families through what becomes a really monumental moment in a young person's life. And they learn lessons and understandings that they carry with them for the rest of their life. I think my son would have loved to heard what you first said that kids need to be seen and heard. He would probably say, mom, he's a very energetic, outgoing individual. He would say, you've yelled at me for so long for being seen and heard. (laughs) That's what I'm supposed to do. It doesn't mean they're always right, but they do need to be seen and heard, right? The thing is about the listening component. I mean, that's where seeing her and for parents to really listen, because what you think you're hearing or seeing, you have to make sure is really what they are saying. And I had the wonderful opportunity, unlike my siblings, I was the oldest of four, and I had the wonderful opportunity to go to a day school. And it was the right move. And my parents sacrificed a tremendous amount to allow me the opportunity to attend. And I always used to say, oh, I would have loved a boarding school, but that's, I don't know if that would have been a good fit for me. So that's some of the, when families are approach you. Is that the first step in terms of making sure that that is a student's true wish and there's a fit there just for, as you said, going away? Yeah. I think the thing with boarding school is in North America, there's well over 300 boarding schools ranging in size from over a thousand to less than a hundred different pedagogical approaches to education. I mean, there's just, there's so much out there, right? So really the first question is who's driving this and why? And in some cases, it's rarer today than it used to be. But in some cases, a parent can be driving it and the kid being is being pulled along and, and it can work out in the end. But for the most part, kids, they need to want this. If they're going for one of these more elite schools, they have to want it. It can't be a parent pushing them into a super intense academic social environment. They have to want it. But to get, understand what is it that you're looking for? What is it that you want? And it can be, I mean, my experience is so many, so many different things. It can be a student who really wants to expand their range of interactions with people from all over the U.S. and all over the world. I used to work in San Francisco for a long time. And I mean, that is its own unique bubble. And so there were kids who were like, look, I just, I need to get out of the bubble. And I want to be around people whose life and lifestyle and life experience is really different than mine. And I'm working with a student right now who, she's from Los Angeles. 
Angeles. She's grown up in Los Angeles and she'll probably end up either in an East Coast boarding school or over in Switzerland. She's an international kid, you know, not necessarily in terms of her family of origin, but her mindset is very international, very global. And she wants to have interactions with kids who are similar to her. She's not going to find okay. that necessarily in her Los Angeles day school. What's the, the root of the search? And then we build out from there. And I think that's really important in terms of getting the underlying answer or answers to that. It can be a collection of goals that they want to achieve, but you're right, because that would define the search in terms of, I want to expand my network and who I'm, as you said, a global, somebody who's more international. And then other times could it be in terms of a specific, I'm sure sports or arts, or what are some of the other like common driving forces that students smaller class size, but it's a huge investment. So what else? It's a huge investment. And I will say that there are times where the parents think it's a good idea. They know it's a good idea. The student's initially reluctant, but then the student comes along. It gets on the campus, you know, goes to summer school, perhaps at a boarding school, starts to realize, oh, wow, this could be a really magical thing for me. There's a lot of drivers, you know, in some cases, you know, I work with families who, it's what the family does, the long history of boarding school in the mm-hmm. family. I work with a number of kids whose families have gone through divorces of whatever type of intensity. Although I work with kids from all over the world. In California, you see a lot of 50 50. Mm-hmm. You're in one house one week, one house the next, right? You're okay. going back and forth. To be in one spot, huge relief. Mm-hmm. Stability. A lot of times you'll see kids who don't have day schools in their area that are worthwhile. And so to be able to get to a boarding school where you know the caliber of education is going to be outstanding, you're going to be surrounded by a lot of other kids who love learning just like you do. That's going to be an incredible game changer. And I think too, one of the beautiful things for families This isn't always true, but it's mostly true. The relationships between kids and parents are strengthened when kids go to boarding school because the parents aren't full-time parenting. They're not nagging about sitting down to do homework. They're not saying, get your room cleaned up. It's their advisor. It's their dorm parent. Whoever it is, it's somebody else that's in that partnership with the family. And so when the kids are with their parents, it's like, let's go out to dinner. Let's talk about, let me tell you all about my life. And it's a game changer for those kinds of relationships. And so there are kids who I work with who, for them, the student-teacher relationship is really, really important. Like if they can make the connection, their learning takes off. And that is more than likely going to happen at a boarding school. You're not sitting in a classroom with the teacher for 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half, whatever right. it is. They're also your coach. They're also your dorm parent. You see them in the dining hall with their kids on a Sunday morning, right? Bedhead, the whole thing. And their kids are, you know, flinging pancakes and they're disciplining them. So these people who were once like in a box, oh, that's my teacher in that period, are now these really real human beings who become incredible mentors. And that's something that not everyone has that opportunity, obviously. There may be some schools that are smaller and some towns that may have that type of student-teacher ratio, but you're absolutely right. And I go back to what you originally said when we talked to neighborhood. You know, you are now in a community that's this tight-knit community where you're expected to contribute, engage, and be a good neighbor, classmate, roommate, and contributor. And as a result, that community will help you grow as you said, and get developed these lifelong skills. And I'm sure sometimes in that discovery period too, it may come out that maybe the boarding school isn't right. Maybe a day school is a better fit for that student. 
or you have those, what is it, the, um, when you go for ninth grade to the day school, and then you may apply yeah. for boarding school from 10th grade to boarding. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is a traditional entry point on East Coast boarding school okay. 10th grade. I do work with a number of kids who stay home for ninth grade and then move on and go to boarding school after that. There's lots of ways to access. And I will say that many of these schools have ample amounts of financial assistance. So if money is a barrier, I encourage families, you know, reach out to someone, reach out, don't talk to the schools, get a sense of, you know, what you might qualify for and see if it's something that you want to pursue financially, because you may be able to get support that you didn't realize, even if if it would make a difference for you to have $10,000 in assistance, right? right? These schools, for the most part, don't offer athletic scholarships and those kinds of things, but it is need-based financial assistance. And so if you qualify for some or all, the only way you find out is if you go through that process with schools. Well, and I think most people would immediately just make the assumption wrongly, as you just highlighted, that they can't afford it. And then that may also factor in though to the search in the boarding school as to, well, maybe it isn't if you're on the West Coast to go to the East Coast, because then you have to tack on 5,000 in transportation. So that may narrow the search down, but at least- ask the questions to find out what's out there financially. And then you have that yep. academic fit because the same thing, like as the college, you have academic fit, the financial fit, and then the social yep. fit. Walk us through again. You'd meet with the students and the parents to find out what their goals and expectations are. And yep. then what are some next steps that you work on with them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my work with kids is, you know, when I work with them comprehensively, it's really deep work and they'll fill out some pretty extensive questionnaires so I can kind of get more information. We'll have a number of other meetings. I'll draw up a school list for them. You know, I throw some wild cards in there. I just, I drew up a list for a young person recently. I tend to put at least one single gender school on a, on a list, depending on the student. And the family was surprised uh, for this girl that I did that. But I said, you know, I think you have to see it. I think you have to go and see it. And if you you rule it out, you rule it out. But I want to mix it up for families. There's some like, yeah, boom, 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 boom. And then let's throw a few wild cards in there. And sometimes those end up being the places, right? Where the family didn't expect. I also want to get a handle early on on what what their outcome expectations are. If there's like, it's only got to be these three schools. And if we don't go to those three schools, you know, then it's a failed search and I'm not going to work with that family right? Their expectations have to match up with sort of what the school's expectations are. And and sometimes that reality isn't there. And, and if they're not willing to sort of shift their reality and listen to advice, then that becomes tough. And then once the school year gets started in a normal search, I meet with the kids every week for at least a half an hour. Sometimes we're just talking. Other times it's, you know, serious work that we're doing, but all of it's intentional. If we're just having a conversation, we're having a conversation that, that is preparing them for the interviews that they will have for these schools eliciting information that we'll potentially use in the application writing process. And then I walk them through all the steps until we get them enrolled in their next school. That's where it differs because everything that you've described pretty much is the same as the college process, right? But interviewing is assumed that all boarding schools are going to interview their students and... Okay. That is a recommended, required, and critiqued interview, right? That's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's just not a school that I know of searching my brain here that's going to, it's a requirement. Again, they're populating a neighborhood. Are you a kid I'm going to want to hang out with on dorm duty on a Saturday night? Right. So that's part of what they're thinking is they're going through the interview processes. Is this kid going to be a good neighbor and a, and a good person to hang out with? I think this is the important piece. Preparation for those kinds of things. Same thing with writing the application. It's not to be contrived. It's not to figure out what the right answers are. 
it's to support kids in having their authentic voice and to be able to have a conversation with an adult they do not know and to be vulnerable and to give of themselves, you know, the things that are important to them so that this person can understand who they are, what they're looking for, and why they would potentially be a good fit for that school. And it's so important for that authentic voice to come out because you're so much younger. I mean, we know the transition to college is hard. Parents, students, they work so hard and then you drop them off at orientation and you're like, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> at family weekend or at graduation. Yeah. But now look at high school and you're three years younger and that's a really vulnerable age, area yeah. of time of growth. Yeah. You do want to make sure that the cultural fit is the right fit that will allow you that opportunity to take risks and have fun and learn yeah. and grow. How do you uncover that? What are some ways that students and families can uncover that besides I'm sure obviously you have to go and visit or staying over for a night? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think so much of it is trying to have multiple interactions on a campus or with people from a school. So perhaps it's connecting with families that currently have students there or had students there in the, in the recent past and spending time with them. What was their experience of the school like? I always encourage families, you know, if it's financially feasible to try to visit multiple points, right? I mean, you can only do one official visit in your eighth grade year, but you can potentially, you know, if you're looking at a school in the Northeast and you live in the Northeast, got a couple schools that you really like, go see the school play when they put it on in the fall, right? Go and see some sporting events, um, maybe for sports that are of interest to you, but also ones that might be bigger, like community type events. So, you know, if it's the girls volleyball championship game, go and see what the school spirit's like. Who shows up? Is the student body filling the stands and cheering on the kids, right? You get a feel for that. When you, when you participate in all different kinds of events, you get a feel for that. If it's feasible, I always suggest if there's an interest in boarding school, do doing some sort of summer boarding program. And those can be, you know, a week long. They can also be, some schools do five week, really immersive academic slash fun camp type opportunities. Those will often also have financial assistance. So again, as much as possible, I would encourage families, don't let money be a deterrent in these situations, you know, try and figure out, and you can get help from consultants like me. If you just need a little bit of guidance, you know, I work with families hourly as well. And I'm like, look, if you just need an hour of my time, Let's do it so I can get you on the path and then you can sort it out as you go. But I would say as many opportunities to engage, this is not like college where kids, like they'll apply to 15 schools and then they'll never set foot on those campuses until they get their decisions back. You right. should set foot on those campuses during the admissions season and get a feel for those right. places and be visible unless there's just a real reason why you can't. I want to go back to that summer program. Is that something where a lot of the faculty and staff will be, the same faculty and staff will be there or is it? just the camp staff. Yeah, it's somewhat dependent on the school, but a lot of teachers at the school where I used to work, a lot of teachers would work the summer camp just because it was great extra money for them, right? I mean, they were going to be on campus anyway. They live on campus. They weren't going on vacation until a little bit later on. So I mean, these kids are going to be on campus running around screaming and yelling in the dorm in which you live. You may as well participate and make some extra money that way. Is it something where in college, you know, you're showing demonstrated interest? Does that equate so much to that or no? So you don't have to worry about? You no, know, it really depends on the school. I had a boy this year who's going to a really incredible school and he went to their summer program, five-week summer program last summer. He's very effusive. He's a really good guy. He's all in, a lot of energy. He so impressed the summer camp staff that they asked him to be a summer ambassador. 
he was at his home in Seattle and started, you know, working for the summer camp during this last school year, his eighth grade year, promoting the summer camp. And he would be on Zoom events and, you know, talking to kids in Seattle and around the world. Just an amazing kid. He ended up getting into the school. Did it help that he had been at the camp? It wasn't like they went, oh, he came to the camp, therefore let's let him in. But he made an impression. He didn't try to make an impression. He just showed up as himself and he made an impression. And of course I was going, if they ask this kid to be an ambassador for their summer program and they don't let him in. <laughs> I was going to say, that's not good. But right. I was going to be really kind of furious, but and this was a school that had a less than 10% acceptance rate. And okay. so for him, that made a huge difference because he got to meet people in a lower stakes environment and figure out, yeah, actually I do want to go to boarding school. And I do love this school that I've been sort of obsessed with. And so full steam ahead. And thank goodness he did get in. It was quite a celebration when that happened. I can imagine. But that's a perfect example of when you mentioned going to campuses to visit at different stages. And he was authentic in who he was. I mean, he went there, it was the right fit. And all of a sudden, he just thrived. And then he embraced it. And it was almost contagious, if you will, because the staff saw it. And then that's something that's so important. I remember in every experience that my kids have had, we've always been asked to be a buddy family or an ambassador. My kids have been asked that. And that's a testament to who they are. And that's a way for you to give back and to help those prospective students at whatever stage they're in, answer the questions that you know were in your head, you know, yeah. when you were applying. It's really important to do that. Visit at different stages, talk with alumni, and same concept like reaching out to if you are a soccer person or a sailing person, reaching yeah. out to those reaching out for sure coaches or social media groups to comment or I think following these schools on their social media is also really interesting because we all know, I mean, it's curated to whatever extent, but you also get some really, you get some really real stuff. There was a boarding school uh, this spring, sadly, that had a death by suicide on their campus and their social media around it was profound and beautiful. I mean, they, you know, they weren't like, we're not going to hide this. No, this thing happened. They shared their grieving process. And they also shared, obviously, resources for kids and adults who might be going through a tough time. I mean, it was really a view inside of a situation and a process that I've personally found it really healthy and hopefully healing, but also transparent mm-hmm. and thoughtful. I don't know. It was just, I mean, some people disagree with me that oh, they shouldn't have put that up on social media, but you'd have to see the stuff to understand. But your reaction to it was that it wasn't just up there to check a box. There was no. a story, there was a process, there was a framework and yeah. it was organic. It was authentic and it was thoughtful yeah. and it helped all the different stakeholders in terms of acknowledging it, grieving And then kind of moving on, which I think when sending your 15, 16, 17 year old, 18 year old student away, that's as a parent, I would view that as very healthy. It was really amazing. And hopefully it gave people pause too, in terms of checking in. And I mean, COVID has been hard on kids. It's still hard on kids, but also, you know, checking in. How are you? What's going on? Not are you okay? How are you? And just being attentive to how kids, again, seeing them, hearing them understanding where they are right now. It's really Absolutely. something that I always say, and you learn a lot by what you don't like. And that's a great weeding out process too. So, so true. Right? So true. That's where the food really okay. comes into play. 
Because I've had kids go, in my old school, where I, the boarding school where I, where I was the director of admission, you know, we would have families, you know, if you want to stay for lunch, stay for lunch, right? Our students, the students on the campus say, what if it's not a good lunch day? And I'm like, well, every day should be a good lunch day. And if it's not a good lunch day, if you're not compatible with the food, if the food doesn't make sense to you, if it's not what you want, if your needs aren't going to be met in that way, then you shouldn't come to that school. Plain and simple, right? Like these people are going to be feeding you three meals a day for three or four years. You, you, you need to be able to have the nutrition. You need to have your brain pumped and to be in those classes and to do all the work you're going to have to do. See, that's another connection you and I have immediately. Food is on our mind, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) I agree. All great advice. Any other tips that you would give for students specifically as they start narrow down or trying to make their final decisions? And then next, you know, from a parent point of view as well. I think for both, same advice, tune out the noise, you know, put your noise canceling headphones on, tune out the noise. Your next school step is not a public opinion poll. So you don't need to have 25 of your best friends weighing in on, should I go here or should I go there? Same thing with parents. This is not about you. This is not about what you're going to talk about at a cocktail party, right? And so one of the things that I always encourage folks is look beyond the brand. Folks feel the same thing in college. Look beyond the brand. There's so many amazing colleges out there. There's so many amazing boarding schools and day schools out there. Find what makes sense for you and be grounded in that don't worry about the opinion that anybody else may have of the school at which you're enrolling. It's just frankly, none of their business. This is about you and your next step, a critical step in your life, especially for boarding school, for high school, for day school, right? Like it's a critical time. And it's not, there's the other piece of advice for these folks. High school is not about college. It's not about college. It's not to get you to college. You're not checking a high school box and, oh, now I get to go to college. You need to do high school you need to be present for high school because if you do that right, college takes care of itself. Full stop. I had a parent once who was a Harvard alum and he was clear as we were working with his eighth grade daughter, like Harvard, 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 Harvard. And she should go to this high school. This was in San Francisco, a day school, because we know that's the one that gets more kids into IVs than anywhere else. And I said, I'm going to stop you right there. And mom's kind of in the background, right? She's sitting behind. He can't see her. I said, look, if we do high school, right, everything else takes care of itself. College will take care of itself. But if we don't do high school, right, the college thing is not going to shake out the way that you want it to. Mom was in the background cheering me on like, yes, Turns out she went to the high school that was the right fit for her. She got in early to Yale, much to his chagrin. She did end up getting in the regular cycle into Harvard and she chose Yale. Got into a couple of Ivies, including his alma mater. She chose not to go to his alma mater, but she did end up at Yale and had a great four years there and is now off and hopefully changing the world. Well, I think that's where the whole parent, and you said it in the beginning, and it kind of needs to be repeated. I'm sure you say this throughout the journey is like, again, it's not your life. We lived it. It's your kids. And I think you could push, push, push. And now we have such a mental health issue on on campus and especially, you know, boarding that it takes a unique person to want to go and to thrive in a boarding school. And it yeah. really isn't right yeah. for everyone. And I think that's, it. and it's not a failed attempt. It's it's no. really, and you said it perfectly. Like if you do high school right, whatever high school that is. And I would also say the same thing as it translates to college too. If you do that right college, you will thrive and you will get yeah. that job and be successful. But yeah. so many people are worried about each stage that they forget to enjoy the journey along the way. I know, I know. Everyone's like, we're all like, if, I, if it all happens, I'm going to be there. And I'm like, where's there? Where's there? You have no idea where there is, right? I mean, 30 years ago, I didn't, this was not my there. 
30 years ago when I started teaching in the public schools in Illinois, right? This was not my there, but it became my there because I stayed open to it. I stayed open to whatever was going to come and just did the next right thing and had a lot of fun along the way. Didn't let names and brands and stuff get in my way. I just like, who am I? What do I want? And that's what I try to bring to kids as much as possible. And I think it's really hard. In full disclosure, it's really hard to constantly do that reminder. And I think Another thing that I found was really successful personally was asking my kids too. There are some that over communicate and some that under communicate, right? There's no judgment, not one right or wrong answer. But I did say to, especially in high school, when you are leaving your immediate community, there may be a perception that the current school that you're at is not a good school. And no, seriously. And the friend group I that know, you have will disown you or the parents will unfriend yeah. you. And I think that that takes a strong person. And I think sometimes as a parent and student, having that discussion between as a family and saying, how do you want this application process to be? Because if you're yeah. going to be publicly sharing that information, yeah. you're going to have to share the good and the bad yeah, and what yeah. comes with it. It's healthier maybe to keep that inside until you really know where you're going to want to go and yep. get in and then yep. not have to explain what happened along the way. Would you kind of? Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, I'm a big believer in the, this process is a family's business. And if you're working with a consultant, someone like me, you know, you've got someone at your school who you're working with, you've got some partners on your team here, but it's really nobody's business. And this is where if you live in a a suburban or more rural area where where not everybody is in the application process, it can be calmer and healthier. But in some of the more urban areas, the big cities, San Francisco, LA to an extent, Boston, for sure, New York, for sure, right? I mean, the chatter is so real. There's blogs, there's all of it, right? Same thing in DC, you have to tune it out. You don't owe anybody an explanation for anything. It's your family. It's your student. It's frankly your money. These schools charge an incredible sum to attend. It is definitely a luxury product. And if they weren't doing good work, they wouldn't still be in business, but it doesn't mean it's the right fit for every kid. And at the end of the day, if you have friends, friends who shun you or look down upon you from making the best choices for your family, those are not your people. I'm all with you, Lisa, on that front. Hard pill to swallow sometimes. Then they're done. And I thought, okay, perfect for that period of my life, but we've moved on from that. And that that is the healthy way to stay healthy. I cannot wait to expand the college scoops to even get into helping families explore boarding schools. We'll be keeping in touch, I know, but we always love to ask our guests two last questions. What do you wish you knew before attending college? What I wish I knew was that I could take a gap year. I didn't know that. In my family, in the way that I grew up, that's all that I knew. I know I know now that there were options that other kids were taking, not necessarily gap years at that point. This was in the mid 80s. This was a while ago. But I wish I had known that there was a gap year option because I could have really used that. I was immature heading into college and didn't have my priorities totally straight when I was starting. And so I wasted some time. I mean, obviously it was all part of my growth process, but a gap year would have been a really healthy thing for me to have another year to grow and to, you know, kind of get some of the wiggles out, so to speak. And and then start up, you know, when I did my master's degree later on, I was like, oh my God, how incredible would my undergrad have been if I had okay. had my hands on the way it is right now? We didn't talk about this because I was the same way. I went into college young. I was in November birthday. So I was almost a year younger than a lot of students. And then 
going back from my business school, I remember my parents saying, if only you had tackled, you paid for business school and we paid for undergrad. Wish you had had the same type of energy and engagement. I was like, yeah, I know. I know. But it's, you know, it's so interesting now. It makes so much sense. But what we know today about brain development, it makes so much sense. There's kids who need that. And, you know, there's kids, I've worked with a lot of kids recently who have reclassed, you know, COVID has done a number on kids. And so let's repeat seventh grade at a junior boarding school. What are your goals and aspirations? We're not going to get there. We're not going to get there if we keep on just this regular treadmill. Let's pull back. Let's give you a chance to really solidify skills, to grow socially and emotionally. And then these goals and aspirations that you have are going to be ones that we can we can potentially reach. There's a little bit of a different level of thought about this right now, but there's a generosity to it right now in terms of gap years or repeating a grade. It can be a relatively standard thing, especially in boarding schools. And I wish more kids would do it, repeat, reclass, or take that gap year. I would have loved the gap year. I would have I done would have, a national outdoor leadership school program and just been in heaven. But alas. You know, there's still time. There's still time. You have three couple more careers. I didn't ask in the beginning. This was, did you go to boarding school by chance? I did not. I did not. Okay. I had a family member who went and this was back in the wild days of the seventies and it didn't work out so well for him. And so my parents said, you can stay home. They gave me a choice between the public high school where like three generations of my family had gone or the the private all girls school where my sister was and she had to wear a skirt every day. And I said, um, doesn't go with the national outdoor leadership of the no, person that you no. are. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing the, I'm not doing the skirt every day. So I went to, uh, I went to the public high school and had a great, great run and had, and did have friends consequently who I'd grown up with, who went to ninth grade with us and then went on to boarding school after that. No, really good. I think it goes back to also what the family is able to do and collectively working out something where it's a partnership. And I think that's what it is in terms of education. You know, we're all about food here. Do you have a favorite food dessert on a campus? Here's what I love about my job. I'm 55. I've got kids who, when I first started working in the early nineties, who are close to 50 now, my girls in San Francisco, I worked at a girl's school in San Francisco. I mean, they're um, approaching 30. So part of what I do when I'm visiting boarding schools is that I also see kids who are in college. Right. And so one of my favorite trips, uh, I was in Massachusetts and um, I was visiting the Williston Northampton, which is a boarding school Mm -hmm. and in Southampton. And my wife had gone to Smith Okay. Northampton. And I had a student, a former student who was at Smith. And so I'm like, I get to do all these things. So I go and I see the boarding school and I have a great time there. I'm at Smith hanging out with this kid. And my wife said, you have to go to Harold's ice cream. When you're in Northampton, you have to go to Harold's because we're, I mean, we were from San Francisco, right? Like foodie yeah. capital, so much incredible food. I, w- I had to stand in line, this big old long line at Harold's. I stood in line and I loved that ice cream. I thought it was some of best ice cream I've ever had. I'm not a huge sweets person, but man, oh man, when there's a good ice cream, I'm all in. And so all in. Um, and you're coming yeah. from San Francisco, like you said, where there's really good ice cream, salt and straw. Really good everything. Other. Really good exactly. everything. It was quite a treat. It was quite a treat. And I was glad that I made that stop in town and it's walking distance from campus at Smith. So I think the, the, the women um, head there probably frequently and um, well, they're it's, walking, it's a, it's, it, which is good, right? Keep on right. walking, walk that ice cream off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. but I highly recommend Harold's, Harold's. Well, I'm so glad. I'm an ice cream person, so there you go. And, you know, I haven't been up to Smith, so that just might be on my list now. 
and there you go. And it's interesting. I'm a huge fan of single gender schools. If it's, if it makes sense for a student, as I said before, and I'd worked in one for 10 years in San Francisco, an all girls school. My wife obviously went to a women's college. I think they're really fascinating places and always worth the visit. So yeah, a trip to Northampton is definitely uh, should be on the books for you. And when you're out East coast, you got to give me a holler. Well, I'm sure we'll have plenty more conversations and and, and we'll be walking to our ice cream at every campus. Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Lisa, for taking the time to share advice about looking for the right fit when it comes to considering boarding school as an option. Your tips on interacting with the campus through different means solidified the importance of knowing the type of environment a student would thrive in. At the end of the day, your students' goals and drive are important factors to consider in order to ensure that boarding school is the right fit for them. You can find all of our show notes and links to the helpful resources mentioned throughout our conversation on our website at collegescoops.com slash podcast. You can learn more about Lisa on her website, lisaspanglereducationalconsulting.com. Please take a couple of minutes to rate, review, and subscribe to College Scoops. Thank you for listening to our College Scoops podcast. Our entire College Scoops team strives to make the college journey a little bit easier, less stressful, fun, and tasty by sharing all the inside scoops we have curated along the way. We would love to hear from you about topics to cover and your ideas on everything college related. Reach out to us at collegescoops.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.